0: Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by ClearVoice Content Marketing Software, helping you decrease your time spent creating content by up to 50% while doubling your online engagement. Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide convince and convert makes your content better oracle marketing cloud helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers and by uberflip a content experience platform that allows marketers to create manage and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey now here are your hosts jeffrey l cohen director of content strategy at oracle marketing cloud and from uberflip randy frisch Ready? Let's
1: talk to the pros. Welcome to a special edition of Content Pros from Content Marketing World. This is Jeff Cohen of Oracle Marketing Cloud, and I'm sitting down today with Alan Gannett, the CEO of TrackMaven. Welcome to Content Pros, Alan. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. TrackMaven is a software tool, (laughs) right? Yeah. And and so tell us a little bit about what TrackMaven
2: does. Sure. And I think it's funny... um, Because if you saw the most recent Martech landscape, there are now 3,900 different marketing technology vendors, which is crazy because we started TrackMaven in 2012. At a time, there was only, quote unquote, 350. So it's crazy when you think about marketing as a category. I think trying to describe what anything is has become hard. But um, what TrackMaven is really simply is we're an integrated marketing analytics platform. So what that means is we're trying to bring together multiple different analytics problems into one suite. So For example, we have a competitive intelligence module, social analytics module, executive reporting, earned media monitoring, dashboarding, all in one place. And then we recently acquired a marketing attribution company. And so in the next few months, you're going to see us launch a marketing attribution product too. And what you get as a customer is you get one place you can log in, access all those different tools and functionality instead of having eight different tools. So we sort of see when we think of, you know, oh my God, there's 3,900 different marketing technology vendors, that's terrifying, but for us, it's also exciting because our whole goal in life is to make that simpler and easier for marketers.
1: Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Uberflip and their weekly podcast called Flip the Switch, where they bring some of the brightest marketing minds together to provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, and a fresh approach to the content marketing challenges you face daily. Head over to bitly slash flip content to discover the tips and tactics that will help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. So as we as we talk today about content marketing, we I gather we're going to be talking about two different sides of your world. The first is how TrackMaven themselves uses content marketing. So so share a little bit about the the kinds of things you do. I, I know. Because you have all this access to data, you, you put out some, some pretty solid industry-leading data reports yeah. that, that you use to generate interest about TrackMaven.
2: Yeah, so we do uh, a ton of content marketing. So whether it's white papers, webinars, blogs, reports, we're constantly putting stuff out. The clip has only been increasing. And for us, the sort of unique, the unique value prop that you hit on the head is that we track tens of thousands of brands – right now about 15 channels, soon to be 20. So we have this proprietary data set of all this marketing content. It's almost a billion pieces of marketing content now. And so we can run all these really interesting analysis on that. So moment in time, like right now, what are some interesting trends? How are things changing over time? So, for example, we do this report. Now we're doing it every year called the Content Paradox Report. Mm -hmm. And basically what we're doing is we're looking at our entire data set and looking at, on average, how much brands are publishing in each channel And then, on average, how much engagement they're getting in each of those channels. And the amazing thing is that, A, publishing is going up on every single channel. There's not one channel where it's down. On average, people are posting 35% more content per day uh, this year than they were the year before. But the scary thing is they're also getting 17% less engagement on their content. And we're seeing this trend now every single year, whereas marketers were sort of like running around with their heads chopped off, creating all this content. But the other side... We're getting worse and worse engagement, and so that's just an example. But we also found that one of the most powerful types of content marketing for us is whenever we can create more relevance. So we also do these industry reports where we do we split it by B two B and B two C. Those are sort of our two main personas, and then we go a level deeper. So we'll even do things like we'll have a page on uh, what are the social media and content marketing benchmarks for you know the arbitration business, right? We'll get that narrow and that deep. What we found is that that provides us with a really long reach because then you get picked up not only by, you know, the Mashables and the CNETs and the marketing profs of the world, but you also get picked up by all of the trade associations and industry publications that have really long tail of content. And ultimately it also provides a really strong sales tool. So then we can use that same content that we're using for our marketing as sales enablement, because now when we're talking to someone in one of those spaces, we actually have pre-made reports that speak directly to them and their problems and their struggle. And it's a really powerful message. And so for us, that's been a really amazing thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think we really think of ourselves as educators. And, you know, on our website, we have things like a marketing dictionary, for example, of marketing terms. And just generally, we view our whole brand persona as being the sort of like friendly educational company, and it's been really fun to sort of fulfill that.
1: It, it's interesting you you mentioned the the industry report. I actually wrote a blog post about that for a B two B blog, and it w- and it was great because it it as you say it was long tail data yeah. from some industries that you're just not used to seeing those benchmarks
2: totally, and it gets picked up in a lot of different places, and it's for us. It's even just from a technical perspective, I think this is something that as content marketers we often don't think about is sort of our technical partners with our content. But for us, our engineering team, they basically write these queries for querying our database and then they're just updating the date fields every year, right? And so it actually becomes over time easier and easier to create this content. And the fact that it's evergreen and we can do the same thing every year and update it becomes really valuable because then we start reporting on, hey, here's the changes over last year. And to marketers, that's really interesting. So I have so many questions
1: about all all, all the different things that you shared, but I'm gonna stay on stay on this industry report for a second. You mentioned that this is great from a sales enablement standpoint, because you actually have deep dive content for individual industries that your salespeople can then go after. Can can you talk a little bit about that and and add some color to it in the context of what should other content marketers think about. In in other words, do you you actually sit down and say, these are our top 10 industries. We're going to either use some data that we have available or try to create content specifically in these industries from a sales enablement perspective or does it does yeah. it flow the other way
2: great question so we take a shotgun approach so what we basically do is in our database we have we use the linkedin categories and we have every single company tagged with their industry and so we basically when we're doing a report we actually just do all of the industries and then what we do is we do these mini reports where we'll do the top 10 industries, the industries where we feel are the most valuable. And that's a little bit of gut and feel around like, hey, we have a lot of apparel customers or we have a lot of, uh, you know, we have a lot of e-commerce customers. And so that's a little bit of touch and feel. And then there's another layer of we'll do webinars using that content. And those will pick the industries where we have the biggest customer prospect concentration. So for example, we did a webinar on university social media marketing. And you might say, like, why the heck has TrackMe even doing something on university marketing? Well, you know, lo and behold, we actually have a ton of university customers mm-hmm. because they're in an industry that's very competitive, it's very reports driven, it's academic, they view data as very valuable and important. So to us, it's actually a big industry for us. So we sort of filtered where we'll have this big report that has every industry ever, and it's sort of overwhelming. And we create smaller and more uh, smaller, more modular pieces of content that are more tailored to specific industries. And actually, this is what I think is really cool, is that that industry report has actually now gone into our product roadmap where we're actually now productizing some of those features into TrackMaven. So some of the benchmarking aggregation stuff is actually things that we're now turning into products we found how strong of a reaction it is. So I think one thing for content marketers to think about is that when you're on the sort of tip of the spear of educating your customers, you also have to keep your ears up for the fact that you're really understanding like where that pent-up demand is, where are your customers confused, where they need help, where they're interested in. And I think marketers can create a lot of credibility and value for themselves within their organizations when they start then bringing that information back, those insights back to their product team, their R&D team, and actually conveying like, hey – Here's something that our customers really cared about, they're really interested in, and is there a way to build this into our product or deliver more of this in our product? And suddenly, I think sometimes as marketers, we create sort of a clear boundary around ourselves and we say, hey, we're just, we're just a marketer. And I think for a lot of marketers, the way to improve in your career is to really sort of break those boundaries.
1: Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Clear Voice. Need a freelance writer? Clear Voice Marketplace can help you. Looking for trending topics or influencers? No problem. ClearVoice Content Studio is the answer for that one. Looking to store all your brand guidelines, keywords, and personas in one accessible space? That's right. ClearVoice can do that too. Even pay all your writers from one secure account. Go to demo.clearvoice.com for a free demo and tell them your friends at Content Pros Podcast sent you. I, I love that idea of taking those benchmarks and flowing it back into the product. I, I've seen an email marketing company where essentially, very simply, you pick an industry and they show you the open rate and the click through awesome. rate for that industry. Very simple. Yeah. Very simple. And and yes, I'm. I'm and it's
2: sh- so different, right? Because yeah. you think about a e-commerce company and the click through rates they're going to have versus a news mm-hmm. website. And it's crazy, and so sometimes I think, as marketers, when we think about data, especially when we try and benchmark, there's this huge aspect of relevance, which is I think this great metaphor or analogy for, as marketers, what we have to do with our content, where it's like, look, you have to create such a strong sense of relevance to really make the content engaging, and that's where, that's why I think a lot of these, you know, cliche, content marketing. Um, Things that people do, so you know the top ten most walkable cities and all this kind of stuff. The reason why all this stuff works so well is it's all so darn relevant. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know that, and we all come to content marketing world, and we all like hear the talks about being human and being relevant and all these things. But then when we go home, we go back to our, uh, you know, to our, to our cubicles. We don't actually implement that. We don't actually become more human. We don't actually create content. That's truly relevant, and I really actually don't think it's that hard. I just think it takes work, and we sort of are human and we have inertia, and we're like, let's just do this big report that you know everyone will you know hopefully it's the lowest common denominator report versus our approach is well, let's basically create 50 reports in one, and so we actually hit all these sort of relevant audiences. Well that relevance is a is a
1: great term to land on right now because I want to circle all the way back to what you originally said, how marketers are creating more content and they're getting less engagement. So presumably you're out and about in the world and those are data points that you can prove, you have, you know, and talk about. So what what should a content marketer do to get more engagement besides just be human and be more relevant? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so
2: I think the 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 biggest thing that people can do is understand their limitations and advocate for those limitations. So I think what we're seeing is that if you look at uh, CMO tenure, there's all these reports that CMO tenure is going down, down every year. So CMOs are getting fired left and right. And the reason why is really simple. It's that the CEOs of big companies are going to Sun Valley and they're going to these big conferences and they're to their shareholders. and They're getting beat over the head about how important digital is. So what they're saying is, okay, we Every single big company. We have to become a digital company. And that's being told, especially the CMO and the heads of product development. And so, so many CMOs, like the people with 20, 30 years experience, they didn't grow up in digital world. They're not digital natives. They're not fundamentally there. And so, what's happening now is the edict from the top is all things digital we have to do, right? So, even if you're a B2B company, if you're on Snapchat and you're a big company, your CEO's pissed, because he went to a conference or his teenager, he read some article in The Economist about Snapchat taking over the world. And so you better be on Snapchat. And so what you're seeing is that more so than ever before, content marketers are so stretched. They have the same number of people, the same budgets, but they're expected to do like 30 things because the CEO feels that his job is on the line. The CMO feels that his job is on the line if we don't really embrace digital. And oftentimes what embracing means right now is activity. It means just doing stuff. And so you see all these marketers run like 30 different channels, of which maybe 10 are productive, 10 are efficient. And so our advice to marketers, and what we've seen in the data, is that some of the best brands actually produce the least content. Just to let that sink in for a second, some of the brands that are getting the most engagement actually produce the least content, right? They're the ones who are actually saying, okay, we're going to do fewer things better, right? Essentialism, less is more. And we just see that time and time again, when you see brands step back from this sort of like schizophrenic version of marketing and into this level of like, well, what channels could we be really good at? What do we have the time? What do we have the resources to invest in? Time and time again, it works. And I think there's some really great examples of this. My fitness pal is I think an amazing story of this because for them, they really focused on the essential channels, right? Your Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and, but most importantly, their blog. And I'm a big MyFitnessPal user. They're a customer of ours. And their blog has got to be one of the just like most spot on things for their persona. It's sort of like the people who are into MyFitnessPal, if those of you aren't in it, it's it's like you're sort of like a slightly neurotic data geek who's into health and wellness. So like, I'm all about it. And so they have these articles, which are just spot on to like the things I care about. And what's amazing is that my Fitness Pal team has talked about sort of their process a few times and how they go about creating this. What they did is they just invested a ton of time, and time is money, so basically a ton of money in really nailing that. So they literally would go on trips where they would go and actually visit their customers' houses and actually go into their houses, open up their refrigerators, and open up their cabinets. And they found all this fascinating stuff. So, for example, they found all these people who are sort of like, you know, fitness geeks, they would open up their cabinet and find all this processed food. And they'd find all this stuff that you just wouldn't expect. And so they learned all this stuff about their persona, which they fit right back into the types of articles they write. And it's even things as simple as like when they talk to their customers, they realize they're like, their customers say things like back pain. They don't say the fancy medical term for back pain, right? They just say, oh, I have back pain, right? They don't know what muscle it is. I have back pain. And these are all insights that they learned because they had the time, which is money, to invest in one channel. And so I think the most actionable thing you can do is however many channels you're doing right now, divide it in half, divide it in a third. Just do less and really invest in nailing those. And I think you'll see a huge result and a huge increase um, in your efficiency and in your engagement.
1: I, I think that's, a, that's great advice for content marketers because more people are, are saying, advocating, that you need to publish less, increase your quality, and, and, and in fact do less, as, as you said, focus on channels that you can, you can really own in, in the case of MyFitnessPal, actually getting to know their customers even better by, by making that part of their process. So we're here at Content Marketing World in Cle- Cleveland, Ohio, the city by the lake, I think <laughs> somebody called it once. <laughs> At least it's descriptive. It, it is descriptive. It is. It is a city. It is by a Lake. So we'll. So we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Um, what What are some things that you're keeping an eye out for here? Do you have like a, a list of companies or ideas or? Yeah. What
2: do you do as the CEO of Track Maven here at Counter Yeah Marketing World? Yeah. So I really like. For me, I love walking the expo hall and just seeing what technology vendors are out. Last year, there must have been like. 500 content workflow planning tools. So I'm excited to see this year, like what does that look like? Are some of those companies still around? Are they not? What's, what's some of the new things? I'm, I'm always really interested in that. Right now, I have sort of two things I'm particularly fascinated in. Last year, I talked about on stage just the sort of resurgence in audio and podcasting. Obviously, we're on a podcast right now. And since then, the whole year has felt like since the last content marketing world has been just the year of talking about podcasting. Everyone's starting a podcast, everyone's doing audio form, you know, some form of audio content. So I'm really curious to see some of the sessions on that here and just how people are thinking about that and how that trend has sort of matured over the last year. That's really interesting to me. I'm also just generally interested, you know, marketing is one of these industries where we go through these really comical waves, and every year there's a new buzz term, right? You know, content marketing was sort of the buzz term of 2013. Um, this year, feels like influencer marketing is, but it already feels like that's starting to fade away a little bit. And so I think for me, I'm just interested in seeing, I feel like we're at this point right now where there's a lot of concurrent sort of big trends and themes going on. There's influencer marketing, there's Snapchat, you know, content marketing is still this sort of mega trend. And so I'm really interested in just sort of talking to people and just seeing what's on their mind, what are they talking about? Because as marketers, one of the most amazing abilities we have is to just brand things And so what I find fascinating about marketing is essentially we're always just doing the same things. Like influencer marketing is not new. Content marketing is not new. Uh, Like all these things are just different incarnations of stuff. But we tend to rebrand them every year and talk about them as if they are new. And I just find that whole process so fascinating. And content marketing world really seems like the sort of epicenter of that. And you come here and you can just really get a great sense of where people's minds are at and, and you know what they're thinking about. And so I just got here. So I don't know yet. Uh, but that's what I'm excited to see is what is what is on people's minds in Cleveland? Well, so what about what about what about account based marketing? ABM? Yeah, that's the other <laughs> one. Sorry, I forgot. Oh, my God. ABM, everything, which is not new at all. But the last like 12 months, all of a sudden, ABM is the term you have to be using. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing because like it's it's it is so not new. It is not novel. It is something people marketers have been doing for decades, and um, but it's an amazing example of just the waves of innovation and the waves of trend adoption. Marketing are becoming so quick and so constant, and I think that actually really feeds into what marketers have to think about their role is, is hey now you're mostly a change agent, right? Like your job is just constantly changing and iterating and. Sort of taking all this new stuff in and all this new technology and thinking about how it can apply to your world, but staying sane while you do it. And I think that for marketers is when I think about what are the career skills that over the next 10 years will help a director of marketing become a CMO, I fundamentally think it's about technology adoption, data understanding, and most importantly, being a change agent. And the marketers who I see really flailing are the ones who all this stuff is changing and they go, oh God, like I hope it doesn't affect me or maybe I'll just retire before it really happens, right? And I think the marketers who are really thriving, the ones who I see just really you know, getting promoted and all this stuff, and we, we actually get a pretty good sense of this because we work with so many companies, the marketers I really see thriving are the ones who are viewing all this change and turmoil and marketing as an opportunity and as a way to challenge themselves and try new things and be experimental and, and all this stuff. And I think there's this amazing tension there because if you go overboard on that, you end up stressed out and burned out and ineffective everything. But if you just say, I'm just going to do what I've been doing forever, you're going to get fired. And that's sort of the reality we're in. And So I think marketers are in a terrifying place as a profession just because there's so much weight on their shoulders and there is so little help. And so hopefully this will be the year where budgets go off and headcounts go off and all that good stuff.
1: So when you think about marketers and you as you said you talk to marketers from a lot of different brands. What do you think about the difference between generalist versus specialist especially in the content marketing world because when you when you break content marketing down into some kind of components, you have writers, yeah. you have graphic designers, you have photographers yeah. you have obviously audio is a thing video is a thing and and it feels like you have to come at content marketing from one of those big buckets as a specialist you can't just start and say i'm a content marketer and i kind of know a little bit but not there's nothing i'm really good at yeah what i totally agree that? yeah i think
2: and this kind of goes into what i was saying before too around focusing i think If you're a marketing executive or a mid-level manager, I think ultimately, depending on your budget, you want as much specialization as possible, right? So if you're a huge company, you want the audio guy, right? The audio woman. If you're a mid-sized company, maybe you want someone who's doing audio plus long-form content or audio and video, right? And if you're a startup, you have one person doing all of it. But I think in marketing, because there's so much... That you can gain from really focusing down on something, I think as much specialization as possible is the goal, period. So for us as a you know, as a startup with about 75 people, what we've basically done, which I've actually really enjoyed as a format, is we basically have a demand gen team, which I think about as the pipes, and they're very involved in the content. And they actually have they have a goal, an overarching goal, and then there's the content team, which is basically giving them the content for the pipes, and they have a content goal, which is a subset of the overarching goal and so the demand gen team is specialized on once we have that content getting into people's hands and we do everything like we're mailing content we're having events we're you know doing you know paid content we're doing tons of influencer and organic outreach and all stuff and that breakdown's been really great but then even within both of those teams we have more specialization so like on the demand gen team we have you know full-time events persons we do so many events and we can afford that and but you know Two years ago, we had one person doing all of demand gen, right? And so, yeah, I think with marketing, basically specialization, especially around people, is one of the highest ROI things that any marketer could do, more so than programs or anything because in any marketing program, there's typically so much inefficiency. When you look at you know a 10x content marketer versus sort of a mid-quartile content marketer, there's a huge difference in engagement. And so I think the more specialized, the tighter the goals you could set, you know, the more you can sort of create incentive structures and bonuses and whatever to get that person just focus on that one thing, the more it will pay off. Yeah, that, that's a,
1: a great way to look at it, not just the, the ROI piece of it, having specialized marketers, but it also forces you to focus. Yeah. So for instance, if you don't have someone who's comfortable with video, You're not going to start in video. You're not going to do it. You're just not going to do it. So one of the things that we like to do with guests on Content Pros, just to get a sense of who you are as a person, as as our way of wrapping up is, so when you were growing up, what is it that you wanted to be? Oh, my God. What a
2: good question. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. It changed so much. I think the youngest memory of what I wanted to be growing up was a rock and roll lawyer that was my big ambition was i wanted to be an entertainment lawyer and uh i bought a whole book on it and read all this stuff as like a 12 year old thought it was like the coolest job um and now i'm working in uh enterprise software so <laughs> something changed along the way yeah very very
1: few marketers or content marketers had that as their dream <laughs> when they, when they were younger. I,
2: Entertainment I, I, lawyer? Okay, good.
1: That's right. I, I, I don't think marketing was on unique. the radar. Yeah, yeah. A, absolutely. So, so Alan, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Thanks, Jeff. This has been a great conversation, and enjoy Content Marketing World. Cool,
2: the city by the lake.
1: Something like that. That's what, <laughs> that's what I've heard. There there probably is a real slogan. So if if you're out there, city of Cleveland, let us know. What your, what your slogan is. I could probably Google it, but I'm in the middle of recording a podcast. So this is Jeff Cohen for with Oracle Marketing Cloud, and this is the Content Pros podcast. So here I am adding this audio afterwards. We're home from Content Marketing World, where we talk to a lot of great content marketers. So that's the end of this episode of Content Pros for More episodes, go to contentpros.com to hear lots more of the content marketers who are making a difference, doing real work in the content marketing space. And you can find this podcast and others on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found or downloaded or listened to or streamed or all those other things that you do with podcasts bringing these great conversations straight into your head. Leave a review. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you'd like to hear. It helps other people find the show and helps make a better show for all of us. And with that, we will see you next time, or we will be talking to you. We won't actually see you next time with another episode, special episode from Content Marketing World.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, Convince & Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Flip, and is produced by Convince & Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast Imaging by